0: I went back and listened to uh, the sermon from two weeks ago. My wife is giving me the hairy eyeball already. Um, a couple of people suggested I might have been a little hard on the women. And of course, I was talking about the men. And if you go back and listen to it, and when we get to the foolish uh, attributes that a man may have, um, I use a lot of examples about me. I did tell you at the beginning, you cannot view Scripture through cultural lenses, and you can't look back at what Solomon or Paul said and say, that's outdated, it's not for today, because we're not like those people. Either the Bible is truth in the whole of it, which means when it steps on our toes, you either move your feet, or somehow you're going to have to justify where you're wrong. Um, and by the way, it wasn't only one person that said I was hard on women. As I, as I went through this morning, I, I did recognize, okay, here I am talking about men. I spent an awful lot of time on that particular section talking about women. So, yeah, yeah I can see where that might come from. <sighs> Where the difficulty comes is when you start talking about where we have accepted differences that, are, that do not line up with Scripture. That's where the difficulty comes. Tonight we're going to talk about wives, and we're going to have a, a whole page on the negatives. we got two pages on what the positives should look like, just like the men. So when we get to the negatives, if the shoe fits, grow your feet, okay? Uh, That's the best I can tell you because it is not intentional. I do not have something against women. I kind of like women. You know, my wife is a woman. Um, So uh, can women be difficult for men? Yeah. Yeah. Can men be difficult for women? Oh, yeah. So let's pray and we'll get started. Father, we come this evening with thanksgiving and praise. Thanksgiving because you saw what was not good and you made that which made it good. We thank you for our wives. We recognize, Lord, that both the wives and the husbands, from the time they are married, to the time that they see Jesus face to face, are in the process of sanctification. So as we consider the truths of your word, we ask, Lord, that uh, where we have positive traits, you'd give us grace to seek to be that kind of person, both men and women. Where there's negative traits, especially if the Spirit of God touches our hearts, that we would, by the Spirit of God, put off the deeds of the flesh and experience life. We might do so in such a way that you are honored and glorified. Open our hearts and minds to the things you have for us tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Okay, let's put my eyeballs on so I can actually see my notes. Hey, wow, they're right there. Uh, Skills in Godly Marriage, The Wife, Part 3. Letter A, Characteristics of a Godly Wife. Remember, there is no such thing as an all-godly or all-ungodly man or woman But all the general wisdom qualities apply equally to both. Uh, In doing premarital counseling, and pastor would tell you the same thing, uh, very often premarital counseling is not an important part of the schedule of the young couple. They are making all these plans for this wonderful, beautiful, extravagant wedding. And the pastor is sitting there saying, I'm trying to give you a few footnotes, because when you get married, all of this stuff is going to come up, and we're trying to prepare you, because believe me, you're not prepared. (laughs) Um, I think I told you the last time we met, um, Lynn says that marriage is like getting a present. It's wrapped. You can't see what's inside of it until you open it. And when you open it, you can't return it. (laughs) So um, neither is fully prepared at the time of marriage. And they're not ungodly. They may have some foolish traits that they need to grow through. And they're not godly just because maybe they've grown through a few. There's still a lot of work to be done. So characteristics of a godly wife. Number two, wisdom. External beauty without wisdom, that would be internal beauty. Uh, Proverbs 11.22 says, As a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. I challenge you to go to the city. You can go to St. Louis, but go New York. Ride the uh, subway a little bit. See some of the beautiful girls that will get on that uh, subway and travel around, do their club and whatever. If they're not doing an Uber, um, and look at their eyes—the deadness of a beautiful woman without Christ—and then come back and look at some of the women that you meet in the church. The beauty that can shine from within because they've learned how to walk with God, or they've learned how to. Uh, have the fear of the Lord. So letter B, discretion. Uh, The woman who lacks discretion, it's like a a gold ring in a swine's snout. The word discretion here is a taste, perception, intelligence, a mandate, advice, behavior, decree, discretion, judgment, reason, uh, taste or understanding. Uh, It is not talking of the character uh, we're not talking of the character of the ditzy blonde here. Uh, the woman who has discretion is—it uh, speaks to one who has turned away from, chooses not to develop judgment or taste. So the woman that lacks discretion is the one who has turned away from, or has chosen not to develop discernment, judgment or taste. Hebrews 5.14 says, But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Uh, Under normal circumstances, I would say that women in the church have a much better, put it this way, nose for the good, and the bad, they they seem to be more sensitive to those things than most men. Uh, we got that hard shell on, and uh, we'll watch a movie even though there's stuff in it that maybe we shouldn't look at, but, oh, no, I can handle it. And women have a tendency to see that kind of stuff and feel dirty afterwards. That's discretion. That's judgment, okay? So out of the two... Who am I picking on right now? The men, okay? Uh, We really do lack a lot of sense when it comes to this kind of stuff, when it comes to relationships. It is not good for a man to be alone, so I'm going to make him someone that is compatible, a helper that is compatible with him, fills in the gaps. One of the reasons why men need to learn to dwell with their wife according to understanding, need to listen, things like that because wisdom, uh, women who have wisdom seem to have a good sense for this. Letter C, looks fade, wisdom remains. For the man uh, that is only attracted by looks, that shows a lack of wisdom on his part. Uh, isn't it amazing how many Hollywood stars get married multitudes of times? Uh, I think Brittany uh, was married for 55 hours once. Um, she's been married a couple, three times now. Britney Spears, uh, for those of you that don't, don't know who Britney is. <laughs> um, and then it's amazing. You look at someone, uh, Toby Keith, just passed, I think, this past week. He was married to his wife for 39 years. It would have been 40 years this year. Um, wow. And when you learn a little bit about his life history... Uh, And I I don't know if the guy was born again or not. I I heard his testimony talking about faith is the only way that he gets through having the cancer and all that kind of stuff. Unfortunately, so often, that just means faith and faith. It doesn't mean faith in Christ. So I don't don't know where he stands. But uh, the fact that in his life story, there's no mention of, you know, he's sleeping around over here, sleeping around over there, and she forgave him. No, no. They were... High school sweethearts that got married and uh, and apparently she had been married beforehand, but they they were together for forty years. Uh, there are a few out there like that uh, if you 're only marrying for looks, well, after a while, looks fade. look at any one of us except for the two young ones here. <laughs> okay, I was only kidding um, and then uh, letter d building her house proverbs fourteen one the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her own hands. The word house here is basically dealing with her family relationships. First, her husband, second, her children. Uh, I don't know how many of you have seen a video that uh, Ben Shapiro uh, put out on social media. It's Mark Driscoll talking about, uh, you know, a a boy needs his mother initially uh, for the first Five, how many every years, and then dad becomes the one that's really important in that kid's life, and of course Ben, being Jewish, he's not born again. Uh, he's, that's right, you know, and he, and he goes on his uh, spiel, but the reality is, is the husband uh, relationship with the wife is a permanent relationship as long as we're alive. The relationship with the kids is temporary. Now, we recognize that when they're small, they need mom's attention, and mom's going to do a whole lot better on a lot of that attention than dad is in most cases. Sometimes the guy's a little bit better than the female, and that's fine, Uh, but the reality is is her most important relationship after Christ, her husband, not her kids, okay? They may need a little bit of attention during a certain stage of life, but uh, so does her husband, And, uh, of course, second, the children. Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. The question, does her husband, I mean the statement, she does her husband good, he can safely trust her. Children are well-clothed and well-cared for. So that's building the house. Number three, so often caring for the home is understood as her job, but without wisdom she may be, uh, she may be working on the externals without the internals. Uh, Proverbs twenty four three and four. Uh, Through wisdom a house is built and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with uh, filled with all precious and pleasant riches. And then nineteen fourteen. Shame on me! I didn't put that one on here. So you can look that one up at your leisure. Letter E, able to reproduce, work hard cook well. She's pretty. That's great. But God values wisdom above all of that. Proverbs 31, uh, 36. Boy, I missed that one too. Shame on me. Let's go ahead and take a look at it. Proverbs 31, 36. 26, thank you. Uh, Get down there. I thought I was a little shy on the verses because I only got two pages of them. (laughs) I normally have three or four. All right, 26 says, She opens her mouth with wisdom and loving instruction is on her tongue. Okay, that brings us to number three. Number two is wisdom. Number three is intimate enjoyment of her husband. Letter A, God speaks of sexuality as a divinely mandated mutual obligation. We talked about this a little bit last week from 1 Corinthians 7, 3 to 5. Uh, The wife should not uh, deprive her husband. The husband should not deprive her the wife. Um, If they are going to abstain for a period of time, it's a set period of time. They're fasting. They're praying. They come back together. Why? Because of the lack of self-control. Satan can cause you to stumble. So uh, it is important that she, um, intimate enjoyment of her husband. Number one, the wife has authority over the husband's body. So uh, that means next time the husband gets a little frisky, you sit there and say, I'm, I'm in control of that body, cut it out. No, <laughs> it doesn't mean that. It means that if she's desiring, then he has to follow through as well as if he's desiring, she has to follow through. So both Paul and Solomon warn of the exposing the mate to adultery, as we talked about last week. Letter B, the marriage bed is to be held in honor, a place of mutual giving and receiving. Okay? Uh, And when we say it's to be held in honor, that ought to be something that's special. Yes, it's marriage first, then Uh, sexual activity, but uh, that's a special thing, and it shouldn't be used as a tool, as manipulation, as revenge, or anything like that. Uh, It is to be uh, dealt with. Number four, uh, qualities, uh, characteristics of a godly wife, graciousness. Uh, Proverbs 11, 16, a gracious woman retains honor, but ruthless men retain riches, uh, the word grace is, here is uh, chen. You've got to be able to spit to speak Hebrew. Uh, graciousness, kindness, beauty, pleasant, precious, well-favored. A, this is a contrasting proverb. So line A praises a positive quality. Line B contrasts the character against bold aggression. So graciousness is the opposite of ruthless violence. Now, I don't know too many women that are ruthlessly violent, but uh, it is one of those things where it does happen from time to time, Hey, John? Uh, when you get into those domestic disputes, everybody thinks uh, the man is always beating on a woman. That is probably the majority of the case, but it's not always the case. So, graciousness. Proverbs 31 paints the picture of a powerful woman of great inner strength. She is not angry about being a woman, nor is she trying to be a man. The secret of her character is the fear of the Lord, Proverbs 31.30. By the fear of the Lord, she knows who she is. By the fear of the Lord, she is content with her role that God gives her. Now again, um, in in today's culture, women need to be CEOs or something of the sort. They, They can't just be the lowly housewife. And I'm telling you, if she chooses to be content in the role that she gets and proves herself faithful, she will be allowed both by God and probably by her husband also to expand that role to include more. So for the woman that seems to be a little bit more driven, okay, be content with who God has made you prove yourself and see how God rewards that. You don't have to uh, compete, if you will, with your husband about who's going to be the boss of the house. By the fear of the Lord, she has convictions and principles that provide her the foundation for all that she is and does. 1 Peter 3, 1-6 gives sight into this character quality. Proverbs 3, 1 to 6. Now, uh, this is where I am going to pick on the men a little bit, okay? Uh, notice verse 1, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, okay? Has Peter said anything that is uh, strange at this point? Only if you go with the cultural view, okay? Uh, Paul has already said this. Now, mind you, Paul has said it in the context of a woman being filled with the Spirit, she is speaking to herself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in her, in her heart to the Lord, so there's personal joy. She's giving thanks always for all things, and uh, she's submitting herself one to another in the fear of Christ. And now, this is what submission is going to look like. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands in the Lord, for this is right. As unto the Lord, I believe uh, Colossians says. So, uh, Peter is not saying anything strange at this point. He goes on to say that even if some do not obey the word, okay, some commentaries will tell you, okay, she's married to an unbeliever. I'd like you all to stop right there. How often do we as Christians walk in unbelief? It's not a matter of. believing that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose again. We are independent, self-sufficient. We're not listening to God's Word, and we do what we want. Now, are men more apt to do that, or are women more apt to do that? They're both guilty of it at times, but which one is probably leans a little bit more in that direction? Yeah, men. So when we're talking about a man that does not obey the Word— Let's summarize how a Christian's supposed to live. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Who's your neighbor? Might your wife fit into that category? Okay? So if you're loving your wife like Christ loved the church, you're going to be doing all that you can for her. Right? If he's not obeying the word chances are he's loving himself. Hey, be quiet. I'm watching the Super Bowl. Hey, go get me another beer. I mean, um, (laughs) uh, I I saw saw a a post just a little bit before we came, and uh, it says, what's the difference between Iron Man and Iron Woman? Iron Man's a superhero, and Iron Woman is a command. Oh, (laughs) you know. Iron Man, he's a superhero, and Iron Woman is a command. Iron Woman. Oh. (laughs) Uh, Whole point being is, if he's that kind of guy, he's not loving her like Christ loved the church, and therefore he's not obeying the Word. Okay? So he doesn't have to be an unbeliever to do that. So, the woman is living with a guy who's not obedient to the Word. That guy might be won by the conduct of... Of their wives. Now, it's not saying that you can't talk to him about his behavior. But once you've brought it to light, there's probably no reason to go a whole lot further. Why? Men are hard-headed. They've got some foolishness still in them. And as soon as a woman tells them, here's the way it's supposed to be, we have a tendency to go like that. We dig our heels in. You are not going to tell me. Or as Malcolm in the middle had, you're not the boss me. (laughs) Now, some guys, you know, you can tell them, and they sit there and say, you know, you're right. I shouldn't have done that. Please forgive me. And they'll go along with you. Hallelujah. Then you, it's not that you don't have to do this, but you don't have to worry about uh, the process as much. But it says, if he won't be one with a word, he might be one by the conduct of his wife. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Now, who's she afraid of? When it says accompanied by fear, who she's afraid of? Yeah, it's a fear of the Lord. It's not a fear of her husband, okay? Uh, and again, whenever we talk about this kind of stuff, look, if the husband is abusive, I'm not saying she's got to sit there and take it. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if he's living like a sinner and he's not obeying the Word, the best way to influence him to do right is not by telling him. Again, you can talk to him, but when you know he's not going to listen, you move on to being the person that you're supposed to be. Verse 3 says, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good, and are not afraid with any terror. Now, when a husband is being foolish, the common complaint of the woman is, what if, because of his foolishness, or if you will, his stupidity, we end up out on the street? Is that a legitimate fear? Yeah, it is. Notice God says, don't be afraid of that. Concentrate on being the person you're supposed to be. Okay. Now, it gives you the example, Old Testament women, but then it goes specifically to Sarah, and it says, she called him Lord. Now, if you read Genesis, you're only going to find her calling him Lord one time. And I don't think it's referring to that time. That's when the angel comes up and says, hey, next year about this time, Sarah's going to give birth to a son. And she's in the tent going, you think me and my Lord are going to have a baby? Why did you laugh? I didn't laugh. (laughs) So his name's going to be called Isaac, by the way, which means laughter. But uh, that's the only time she calls him Lord. But look at her example. They go down to Egypt. There's a famine in the land. They go down to Egypt, and Abraham says, honey, you are so beautiful at 65, 70 years of age that they might want to kill me to get at you. So let's just agree to tell them that you're my sister. I mean, it's, it's half true. You're my half sister. And she says, okay. They get down there. Oh man, that woman is beautiful. And Pharaoh says, yeah, get her for me. She ends up in Pharaoh's harem. Now, we, we have a hard time grasping that in this day and age. But Pharaoh at any time could have said, yeah, bring that one to me. What's she going to do? Now, God intervenes. Okay. Fool me once. Shame on me. Fool me twice. Shame on you. A little while later, after all that gets taken care of, uh, they end up over in the land of the Philistines. And Abimelech looks at Sarah and says, We got to get me some of that. So he uh, gets her into his harem. And again, they agreed, you're my sister. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know a woman today who would be put in one harem, and the next time we come along, she'd be sitting there saying, oh, no, you don't, don't you even start with that, and you get that little snap in there, you know, and all that kind of stuff. She would be ripping him up one side and down the other because he didn't protect her. And by rights, He didn't, and therefore, you can see why she'd be upset. But she did it again anyway. Was her hope in God or in Abraham's foolishness? You know, God doesn't say a lot about Sarah, but giving us that story, I'm thinking Sarah understood a couple... Now, everyone else is going to say, oh, it was the culture of the time, and she just had to do what she... Hey guys, men and women haven't changed in centuries, in millennia, okay? Uh, men have been telling women to be quiet, and the women have been, and nothing changes. There's nothing new under the sun. So I don't believe that Sarah just had to accept the fact, and, oh, well, you know, I might get raped tonight, and it's not my fault. No, I think she was trusting in God. She was willing to submit herself to her husband, who was a real dip at times. Okay? Uh, That's the example given. Not being afraid, trusting in God. Okay? So when we look at that, notice uh, first, the cultural problem. Uh, Take the path of functional subordination. Uh, That's basically what verse one says. And uh, a lot of people, "Mm, I don't know about that. And then number two, how can the wife win God's way? Not by verbal abuse compelling reason or wearing him down, not by following God's plan of submission, uh, excuse me, but by following God's plan of submission to her husband and to God. What matters least about the women? Verse 3, all of the external beauty. It's not that we as men don't like the external beauty and all the things that you do to make yourself beautiful, but that matters the least as far as God is concerned, What matters most about women, verse 4, Let it be the hidden person of the heart with incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. quiet spirit basically can be defined as trusting, patient, and self-control. The opposite of a quiet spirit is nagging, loud, obnoxious, witchy. Precious in the sight of God, that means valuable, very expensive, costly. So verses 5 and 6 give us the example of what it looks like. The strength of character is the fourth uh, quality of uh, a godly wife, characteristics of a godly wife. Strength of character, Proverbs twelve four says, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. But she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. So excellent, the word is chayil, probably a force, uh, wealth, virtue, valor, strength, might, substance. It is used by Boaz of Ruth. In Ruth 3.11 it says, And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request. For all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous, or an excellent woman. Okay? Um, uh, There we go. Uh, Modern caricatures of a submissive woman as a servile non-person forgets the most submissive person in human history. John 5.30, I can do nothing of myself, Jesus says, as I hear I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. 1 Corinthians 11.3 But I want you to know uh, that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. 1 Corinthians 15.28 Now when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will uh, will also be subject to him uh, who put all things under him, that God may be all and in all. So uh, the most submissive person in history is Jesus Christ, so to be submissive is to be like Him. Uh, Proverbs 31.10 indicates that she is rare, and the one who finds one should raise his voice in praise to God. Uh, Proverbs 31.10, who can find a virtuous wife, for her worth is far above rubies. And again, uh, we see earlier in Proverbs that uh, the the value of wisdom is far above rubies. So a virtuous woman is going to be a wise woman. She's going to have strength of character. Number six, devotion to her husband. Now, under normal circumstances, I think that women uh, being more relationally oriented are usually uh, devoted to their husbands, to their family. Um, you'll find the occasional... Uh, social butterfly, I recognize. But that doesn't mean she's not devoted to her husband. Uh, men, on the other hand, can be a little flighty about that, depending on circumstances. But uh, devotion to her husband, Proverbs 31, 11, and 12. Uh, the heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will uh, have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. And Proverbs 31, Uh, 23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. So strength of character uh, excuse me, uh, devotion to her husband. Verse 12 explains verse 11 in uh, Proverbs 31 11 and 12. It gives the reason why he trusts her. She won that trust. There is no biblical command for a husband to trust a wife. Imagine that. There is a biblical command to love her, but there's no biblical command for a husband to trust a wife. Now, if the relationship is developed properly, will he trust her? Sure. Just like she'll learn to trust him also. Uh, but uh, a lot of people just think trust is an automatic thing. And because of position, we do agree to Uh, give uh, a certain amount of trust and submission to a person until, of course, they uh, prove themselves untrustworthy. Uh, So, if she snipes, picks, shames him, Proverbs 12.4, distrust will be the result. Again, Proverbs 12.4, An excellent wife is the crown to her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. Uh, verse 23, it shows the heart of the excellent woman. Uh, Proverbs uh, thirty-one twenty-three says, "A husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. So uh, it shows the heart of the excellent woman. Partly because of her intelligence, godly devotion, her husband is freed to attain prominence and influence. Woman was created to be man's helper in fulfilling God's vision uh, given to him. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I think one of the problems that we see in our culture today, and this is in the church, men do not, they have not walked with God to the point where they know what God wants them to do. So what vision do men have as far as what they're supposed to do? Well, we have the... I want to get rich. And we have the, I need a job where I can pay my bills. If that's the highest vision you have, then this guy's going to look like he's ambitious when he might just be selfish. And this guy might look like he doesn't have a lot of ambition when he just doesn't know what God wants. Um, This guy might work at a a low-paying job forever and and not advance because I'm just trying to take care of my family. Is that all there is to life for a man? When we go back to the book of Genesis, God gave Adam a job. And then he knew it wasn't good for Adam to be doing that job all by himself, so he makes him... Uh, Name all the animals, finding that there wasn't someone for him. Then he fills the need, a woman that is uh, a helper that is compatible with him. She is to help him with the job that God has given him to do. Well, what job has God given all of us to do that are believers? We're to let our light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. His calling on us is to live like Christ in whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. Now, does that mean that a man can work at, uh, I worked at a convenience store for a little while called Cumberland Farms, kind of like a 7-Eleven or maybe a Hux nowadays, Uh, but um, can he work there for a little while? Sure. Uh, Should that be his plan for life? Uh, Probably not because minimum wage uh, doesn't go very far, (laughs) Uh, but... Uh, what should he aspire to? It doesn't matter what he aspires to as long as he remembers that while he's doing whatever he aspires to do, he's living unto God. Now, when you live unto God, can I tell you, by the time you get home from a day or two, um, you, you feel a little beat down. Guess where the helper comes in? And not only that, She's doing the same thing, whether it's at home or at a job. And she's going to need that mutual uh, edification, if you will. Okay? But we have a job to do. Now, uh, in some cases, I really struggle with this one. In some cases, God puts you in a position like this one. Believe me when I tell you, it was never my desire to be a pastor. I wanted to go float in a canoe up the river and witness to trees until I learned a language that I could tell the Indians or something like that. I wanted to be a missionary. Well, we finally did get to the mission field. It took a lot longer than most missionaries, and God allowed us to do that, and uh, then He allowed us to come home and put us back where we were. <laughs> um, but Not everybody gets that kind of a calling. Uh, John, you've been a police officer, and before that you... Well, Dave was a mechanic in the Air Force, and then afterwards in various places. Did God call Dave to be a mechanic? Well, if you've ever seen him work on a car, I think so. Uh, (laughs) But the whole point being is it doesn't matter what it is, as long as you're... This is what God wants all of us to do, and... A married couple are going to help each other in that process. Uh, So she is there to uh, be that helper. Number seven, the fear of Yahweh or the fear of the Lord, Proverbs 31.30. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Uh, The organization factor in a woman's universe is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord enables her to see uh, that real greatness will come to her, not through self-centered aggressiveness or external beauty, but through godly devotion. And that goes for any one of us. Uh, If you're looking for all the rewards that life might give, uh, the best way to get them is seek God's face. And He will exalt you in due time. Our problem is, is we're impatient and we want to see those rewards here and now, today. And you know, God has said, "Look, uh, you can get, get that reward, but that's it. You got it already." <laughs> so. Uh, in time. Letter B, characteristics of an ungodly or foolish wife. I lied to you. I guess I have one and two-thirds pages on the positive and uh, one and a third pages on the negative. We'll see as we go along here. So infidelity. Infidelity. The strange or forbidden woman of Proverbs chapter 2, uh, verses 16 through 19. Uh, Wisdom will deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, uh, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house leads down to death and her paths to the dead. None who go to her nor uh, return, nor do they regain the paths of life." So infidelity, the stranger, forbidden woman, she hits on what is man's weak point—flattery. Uh, men love being told how wonderful we are, and so the immoral woman or the uh, seductress, she is going to hit on that particular point. One of the reasons why so often women, do, women don't like it when a man sits there and accepts a compliment from another woman Yeah, you know, he, she's just trying to get you. And some women say, "And she can have you." No, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, uh, that is a weak point in men. Uh, Proverbs uh, two sixteen. Uh, she uses the uh, deliver you from uh, the seductress who flatters with her words. Uh, Seven five and twenty one. You can look those up. Um, if the wife isn't being an encouragement in this area, uh, uh, excuse me. Number one, all men want to hear you're doing a good job. Uh, If the wife isn't being an encouragement in this area, he will be vulnerable. Again, that doesn't excuse him. But if you're going to be a godly wife, this is one of the things you're going to be working on. Uh, If you go to Ephesians 5, not only is she going to submit to her own husband, but it says, uh, verse 34, 35, I believe it is, that she's to respect her husband. And I recognize men probably ought to be respectable but it's still the position that God gave him. If no other reason, ought to at least be respecting that. But men do love hearing, hey, you do a good job. Um, letter C uh, there is more found in Proverbs 5, 3 to 14, 6, 24 to 32, 7, 10 to 27, 9, 13 to 18. Uh, all talking about this strange or immoral woman. Uh, She preys on the weakness for sweet talk. You can look at all those verses. Uh, She may have a superficial form of religion. Uh, In uh, 714, no, I don't have that one. Um, Inside, spiritually, she is destitute, though. So she she says in uh, chapter 7, verse 14, that she has paid her vows. Dealing with the concept of religion there. And therefore, it's okay for her now to take this young man uh, to her home, even though she's breaking her covenant with her husband. Uh, So she's spiritually destitute. And it destroys both the man and herself, this unfaithfulness. Uh, Insincerity is another one. She knows that the way to a man's heart is not through his stomach, but through his fat head. So she uses smooth and flattering words. We saw that in Proverbs 2.16. And she knows the ability of the bait. Uh, Proverbs 5.3, it says, For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. So uh, you can take that two ways. The external concept of maybe a little bit of uh, lip gloss on her lips. But more than likely, it's dealing with the way she's talking and uh, buttering him up and preparing him for the the sacrifice at hand. Let her see. Neither her nor her victim find what they need. The man that uh, goes into an immoral woman, he's not getting what he's looking for. The woman who looks to another man beyond her husband is not getting what they're looking for. Remember, if you will, idolatry is trying to find what only God can give you in something that is not God. I recognize that idolatry is any form of making a God out of what God really is. But very often we're not making gods. We're not cutting down trees and cooking uh, half of uh, our food with half of the tree and shaping the other half of the tree. We're trying to find that which only God can give us through another means. Through a job, through money, status, or a beautiful woman on my arm. Uh, Yesterday I had to help Lynn get through the sidewalk because there's ice all over the place. I had a beautiful woman on my arm. (laughs) Status, (laughs) okay? Um, But reality is is she's not going to get what she's looking for, he's not going to get what he's looking for. Uh, Number three, disloyalty. It describes as forsaking her companion and forgetting her covenant. Back there in Proverbs 2.17, adultery is the lowest form of treachery. Here, two acts of betrayal. Uh, Number one, having pledged singular devotion to one, she seeks another in proverbs seven eighteen to twenty the husband 's trust becomes the occasion for her treachery in uh, proverbs seven eighteen twenty says, "Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. he has gone on a long journey. he has taken a bag of money with him, and will come home on the appointed day. Uh, clues: my husband is not at home." Uh, she knows when he's coming back, okay? She deliberately, this is the second crime or, of treachery, uh, she deliberately forgets the covenant with God. Again, let's remember, marriage is not a piece of paper. It's not a contract. It is a covenant between the husband, the wife, and God. When you take God out of the picture, and it's just the husband and wife, It's not going to work the way it's supposed to work. Now, I I understand unbelievers can be married and have a relatively, quote-unquote, happy marriage for years. Plenty of them have done it. But when God is in the picture, now we're fulfilling purpose, both in one another's life as well as as a light shining in the world uh, demonstrating what the church is all about or Christ's love for the church is all about. So uh, let her see, she also betrays the young man. She is simply using him. Look, if you know your husband's coming back on Wednesday and it's Monday and you've got a couple of days and you're taking advantage of this young person, um, what does he get out of it? We can sit there and say, well, a couple of days of pleasure. No, no, no. He, He doesn't know that her house, her steps lead to death. And anyone who follows that path doesn't come back to the way of life. So she's abusing him also. And that brings us to destructiveness, Proverbs 14.1. Wise woman builds her house, a foolish woman tears it down. Uh, Foolish, literally, thick-headed, dense. And it can't apply to male or female. Uh, I've used the word stupid a couple of times. I know that's one of those words that Christians shouldn't use. It is what foolish means. Okay. So, now, it does warn us about calling people fools, right? But if they're acting like a fool, you ought to be able to talk about their foolishness, okay? And therefore, their stupidity, their thick-headedness, their denseness. Uh, letter B, God made woman with an understanding of a healthy home and relationship. Again, it is part of a woman's makeup that she understands a little bit more about what makes a good home than a man does. A man's going to go out and hunt,
1: be a warrior,
0: uh, make a living, okay? Uh, when it comes to relationships, most of the time, women are much better in understanding how that whole thing works than guys. Not that guys can't learn. That's where our conflict comes in marriage. Very often, guys say, yeah, that's good for you. You, you, you do that. I, I, no, no, no. That's where she completes And he needs to learn to listen. So, um, uh, letter C, people do what they do thinking that it'll make them happy. Uh, It it is amazing, uh, very often, we we have to kind of remind people that people always have time for the things they want to do. Now, understand, that means if I say, hey, what about doing this, and you sit there and say, Well, I don't have time for that. You've just told me you really didn't want to do it. Now, you may have something lined up at the same time as we're talking about. I understand. I'm not saying that you're a bad person at that point, but we make time for the things that we want to do. Uh, that doesn't mean we quit work half hour early because I want to go do something, but we do find a way of doing the things that we want to do because we think they're going to make us happy. That's the point here. Uh, letter D, the woman, a woman's inner enemy. Genesis 3, 3.16, the desire to control her husband. Uh, it says, uh, your desire shall be for your husband, but he shall rule over you. Uh, he says exactly the same thing to Cain, uh, Cain in chapter 4. Sin's desire is for you, but you shall rule over it. So the concept of desire there is she wants to be the boss, okay? And uh, that's her uh, inner enemy. Letter E, she destroys the home by the measures that she takes to save it. She needs a happy home. She uh, desires a career. Uh, She needs for a husband that will lead, that's the created design. She needs to be faithful, uh, but may think someone else can meet her needs better. Uh, she should use her tongue to encourage her husband, but may lose her, t- lose her tongue to cruelly push him away. So that would be, again, the concept of destroying the home. Uh, letter F, she can destroy her children by neglecting their care in favor of a career. Proverbs 29.15, the rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings uh, shame to his mother. Uh, Lynn is going through a book right now, or no, you're listening to a um, podcast, and the woman said, nowhere else in the world do women put their babies down. You always got them tied up in a wrap or something like that, and whatever they're doing, the baby is with them. Here, we want to get rid of them as quick as possible. You know, uh, go put them in the crib, go put them in the playpen, uh, you know, leave me alone for a little while. It's kind of like, okay, uh, the problem with the thinking is as they grow, we want to shove them off on this or on that and go do our thing, and ultimately, a child left to himself will be ashamed to his mother. That's the whole point there. Uh, number five, nagging, argumentative, implacable contentiousness. Wow. Letter A, two ways to make man's life grim and joyless, a stupid son and an argumentative wife. Proverbs tells us that. The word contentions here, Number one: strife, quarrels. It's in the present active, which means continual. Uh, literally, it's pushing or driving. It's used only here and Proverbs 27:15. Um, let me see here. Where, where am I looking? A foolish son is the ruin of his father, and a contentio- the contentions of a wife are a continual dripping. That's the verse at hand. It's Proverbs 19.13. Didn't mark that down in the notes if you want to. So it's used here and in 27.15. A continual dripping on a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. These are two ways to make a man's life grim and joyless. Uh, Number two, Solomon uses it to describe a foolish wife's relentless, repulsive argumentativeness. She disagrees with or finds fault with everything. Now, as I said last week, and I'll say it again here. As I look at the contentious woman in Proverbs, it starts in about uh, chapter 24, I think it is. And then over the next uh, six chapters, mentions it several times. Better to live on the corner of a housetop than with a contentious woman. She's like a dripping faucet that never ends. Several times it says that. And in doing marriage counseling, I have found very often that the wife has legitimate complaints. The husband does not listen. Uh, I, I'm surprised at how many times my wife starts with uh, the conversation with, how come you don't listen to me? Nobody got that joke. (laughs) Okay, did she start the conversation with, how come you don't listen to me? Or she was going on for a while and I just kind of zoned her out. And now, all of a sudden, how come you're not listening to me? Uh, uh, Normally, it shows itself in this fashion. My wife will tell me two months ahead of time, hey, on uh, February 29th, uh, we're going to do this. And it's January. January. February 29th is too far away for me to think about it. It's kind of like, okay. And then she'll tell me again, you know, somewhere around the 15th, remember on the 29th, we're doing this. You never told me about that. Yes, I did. Kind of like, I heard her the first time. I just forgot because it wasn't important. Guess what? On around the 25th, she's going to remind me that on the 29th, we're doing something. And I'm going to go, you never told me that. You can understand why women could become contentious when men don't listen, they don't learn, they, or they're at least slow to learn. Uh, all of the things that women complain about very often, they're 100% right. Okay? But how do we get men to change? 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. You concentrate on being the person you're supposed to be, And let God deal with him. Why? Because that's the only way he's going to change. You cannot change another person. You can't even change yourself so often. I mean, how many times have you started a new habit? How long did it last? A couple weeks, right? So uh, this contentious woman uh, she may have reasons, but God says the reason why he gets on her so much is because she's not living by faith. She's not trusting in him. She's trying to accomplish uh, the deal herself. Let her see what if her complaint is right. The fear of the Lord waits on him to reveal that, it, uh, that to the hard-headed man. Two questions to consider. Is there only one way to communicate a valid complaint? And then number two, is it worth driving your husband away or beating him down to get your way? Proverbs twenty one nine, better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. 21.19, better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. And again, that doesn't mean she doesn't have a reason to be angry. It just means she needs to be careful how she's uh, going to see anything happen Instead of being contentious, uh, trust in the Lord. So that brings us to the contemptuous attitude or behavior. Proverbs twelve four again. The excellent wife is the crown to her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. So God's assigned role as helper. The foolish woman is the opposite. Proverbs ten, uh, Proverbs thirty-one, ten through twelve. Who can find a virtuous wife? For she is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so uh, he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Uh, the foolish woman is opposite of that. Rottenness is the Hebrew word rakab. Uh, decay, rottenness, literally, the idea is worm eating. And if you think about you 've thrown something in the garbage and you come out there on a hot day in the middle of the summer, uh, all of a sudden you see some flies and you get up there, and there 's maggots crawling all over that. that 's the idea of rottenness, okay? Worm eating. She causes ruin, inwardly undermining and slowly destroying uh, the man. Let her see, she shames her husband regardless of company. And and again, men can do the same kind of thing to women. Shame her husband in front of people. Uh, that's part of the foolishness of a man also. She thinks that this will work to get what she wants or to get him to change. Number two, she demoralizes her husband so that he will be less likely to accomplish whatever he was or could have been. You know, when you get beat down enough... Well, Elizabeth Elliot put it this way. The woman who is trying to get the man to conform to what she thinks he ought to be, when she succeeds, she will not appreciate what she gets. She will not respect him. So part of the battle is letting God transform him into his image. Yeah, but he takes so long. Yeah, I know. I know. I understand. Okay. Um, God's designed role, she's supposed to be a helper, an assistant, a partner. She undermines his strength, which she was supposed to supplement. And the foolish man that does this is better off alone. Uh, And again, that, that says that the man probably deserves some of what he's getting, but he he'd be better off alone. So, um, do I like women? Married one, going on thirty-nine years. I have learned over those that period of time to listen a little bit better, uh, become more godly because of the influence that she's had in my life. Uh, I have a great respect for the role of the woman in a husband's life. But I had to learn that. I was not that guy when I got married. I got married thinking, man, did she look out or what? (laughs) You know? (laughs) Um, Was that? And she still looks hot. Yes, she does. (laughs) Uh, But uh, the reality is, is we went through a lot of difficulties to both be conformed to the image of Christ, where the kind of relationship we have now is one that I desire for any man and woman that's married in the church. Anybody, but especially in the church, because there are many times when we go to bed laughing at each other, usually at each other's expense, but it's still fun. <laughs> and uh, is everything perfect? No, she hasn't gotten there yet, okay? Uh, but we've gotten past a lot of the foolishness that we both came into marriage uh, with, and uh, and we've learned to work together on a lot of these things. So I, I recommend... That if uh, you're dealing with conflict in your marriage, first of all, start right here. Not, not there, here. Uh, when we submit ourselves for the changes that God wants to make, very often He's willing to start working on the other person. When we feel as though we've got to make the other person change, God just lets that iron wall build up and nothing happens, so... Well, let's close in prayer, and uh, we'll see you again, Lord willing, on Wednesday. Father, we thank you. Uh, You've been so good to us in giving us partners uh, for the two young ones here, providing the Lord doesn't return. Uh, Someday you'll bless them in that way, too. We do pray, Lord, that you would uh, give us grace to be wise in how we treat one another, that truly our marriages might reflect the love that Christ has for the church and the submission that the church has for Christ. Again, thank you for uh, your love, your care. Give us wisdom as we go forth and live the life that you've called us to live before a lost and dying world in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.